0: Good morning. All right, if you have a Bible and want to open it up, we're uh, going to be in Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible of your own, there should be one that looks kind of like this in the rack in front of you, and you're welcome to help yourself to it, and you put your name in it and take it home with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word that they are reading. And today we are finishing up our journey through Galatians. And we're doing it with a baptism, which is really fitting for several reasons. For one thing, the book of Galatians is a clear explanation of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, of how God redeems us and, and, and frees us from uh, condemnation because of our sin and makes us right with him and gives us his full approval uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and what Jesus accomplished, not through anything else, not by our efforts, our law-keeping or anything like that. So the Galatians, clear explanation of the Gospel. Baptism is a demonstration of the Gospel. Seeing the power of the gospel actually at work in people's lives, bringing them to that place of faith, of putting their trust in Jesus and and beginning that walk of being one of his disciples. And so uh, we see people coming and and declaring that they have put their faith in Jesus and declaring they want to live as disciples. And uh, another reason this is fitting is because when we do baptism, we do it in a gathering like this we don't do it in a private individualistic way we do it as a as a community as a family of believers in jesus because that's how jesus intends us to follow him in community with other people so we want to celebrate as a family a church family and this this idea of of walking with christ in community with others that's exactly what the last chapter of galatians is all about Uh, last time in chapter 5 we saw what it means to live as a spirit-led individual Um, all believers the bible tells us all believers from the from the time that we first put our trust in christ we receive him into our lives He actually indwells each believer by his Holy Spirit. So all believers are indwelled by the Spirit, but it is as we intentionally follow his Spirit's leading that he produces his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, and all these qualities really of Christ-like character. It's as we we follow His Spirit's leading. And the way we experience His leading is by relying on Him. And we rely on Him by by using the resources that His Spirit gives us. And so we talked about the resource of prayer, relying prayerfully on, on God's Spirit, His presence in us. And then relying on the resource of his word, saturating our minds and hearts with his truth, that he might bring that truth to mind and heart. And then the third resource, the resource of his people. We live in community. We are are led by the Spirit through the wise counsel and encouragement of his people. And it's that, that last resource, his people, his community, Uh, That's what we're taking a closer look at here in chapter six. To live as a spirit-led person, you must live in spirit-led community. To live as a spirit-led person, you have to live in spirit-led community. That's the truth that gets highlighted here in chapter 6. So let's pick it up. We're going to pick it up at the end of chapter 5 to kind of make the connection to what we've just been talking about in chapter 5. Verse 25. You have a note sheet in your folder if you want to follow along and take some notes. Hear now the word of the Lord. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Or he says elsewhere, be led by the Spirit. Same idea, different Different words. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So here's that kind of individualistic attitude. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you see the brothers, that's not exclusive of women. Brothers and sisters, family, you could put it. If anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, okay, you who are led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Notice, one another. So fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. And this is talking about avoiding that comparative. We're not not comparing ourselves to one another. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, his own sin nature, the self-directed self, if you sow to that, you will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, the community of believers in Jesus. So you can see here, he's moved right from Being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, he moves right into this this idea of walking together and and being connected in community, Spirit-led community. What does Spirit-led community look like? Well, here's how I'm going to sum it up. Spirit-led community looks like believers in Jesus genuinely helping each other live a life that honors him. Spirit-like community, believers in Jesus, genuinely helping each other live a life that honors him. In verse 2, Paul refers to fulfilling the law of Christ. And almost certainly here, he's thinking of that command Jesus gave in John chapter 13 when he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. What is new about that? Why did Jesus call that a new commandment? Because if you've been with us just back in chapter 5, Paul quoted from the Old Testament Torah, from the book of Leviticus, the command that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, and in this way fulfill the law. So it's not the need or the requirement to love others that's new. What's new is that Jesus says we're to love each other the way he loved us. So now the standard's been taken up. It's not simply love your neighbor as yourself. It's love your neighbor as Jesus loved us. That's what makes it new. It is Christ-like love that marks a Spirit-led community. Christ-like love. A love that reminds us of Jesus. A love that looks like His love. A love that points to Him. A love that honors Him. Sounds marvelous, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound good? Loving each other the way Christ loves us? Does it maybe sound a little lofty? A little hard to reach, what exactly does Christ-like love look like in a group of real people? You know, people uh, who aren't perfect, who love Jesus, who are trying to, you know, seeking to walk by his spirit, be led by his spirit, but, you know, they, they have flaws, they have problems, they have issues, as we like to say. I learned a little rhyme long ago. I love it. It goes like this. To live above with saints we love. Ah, that will be glory. To live below with saints we know. Now that's another story. (laughs) What's it look like? To have a spirit-led community of real people. What does Christ-like love look like in real people with real problems? Well, as I read these things, so I read these things that, that Christ-like love, spirit-led love, what it looks like, the word that comes to mind is the word help. Help. Genuine, real help to live a spirit-led life that honors Christ do you realize you need that help you actually do you agree with the bible when it teaches us that you really cannot live the way god wants you to live on your own apart from having others in your life, brothers and sisters in Christ, who help you live that way and that you help. So it's this mutual, helping one another live lives that honor him. Do you realize you can't do that on your own? See, you might have a different belief. Unfortunately, it's, it's kind of common in our culture. If you hold to the belief that as long as you personally Have Jesus in your life. That's all you need. You don't need anybody else. You can follow him just fine on your own without having Christian friends who really know you and that you really know and they're helping you follow him and you're helping them follow him. If you hold to that belief that as long as you have Jesus, you're good, you really ought to examine that belief. Because Jesus did not teach us that. It's our individualistic culture that teaches us that. To live as spirit led individuals, we have to live in spirit led community, genuinely helping each other live lives that honor Jesus. So what kind of help are we talking about here? What kind of help do we need? Well, there are at least four specific ways of helping that we see here. We're going to look at those, but this is not meant to be a complete list by any means. However, the things we're going to see will help us understand the kinds of help that Jesus wants us to give one another in spirit-led community. So four kinds of help we need from God's family, to live Christ-honoring lives. Here we go. We're going to go through these. First, help to overcome sin. Help to overcome sin. Verse 1 of chapter 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught or caught up in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are spirit-led, walking by the Spirit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Well, Paul just goes deep right away, doesn't he? (laughs) And that tells us if you want to live in spirit-led community, you can't be okay with staying superficial. You can't be content. I mean, that's where relationships start. There's really no other way. You can't start immediately, you know, super deep, but... You can't be content with staying superficial. You have to at least have some friendships that are close enough, deep enough, to deal with sin. Because when sin scores a victory, that's a call for help. That is a call for help. When we get caught in a sin... That is the opposite of a life that honors Christ. And it's hurtful. It's damaging. It's, and, you know Even if the only person being hurt or damaged is the one committing the sin, but it usually damages a lot more than that. It's a call for help. And when sin, when sin damages, we often need help putting things back together. This word restore here. This this picture is somebody helping us put the broken pieces back together. Restoration. Like in broken relationships. When a relationship gets broken by sin, we often need wise counsel. We need support. We need encouragement. We certainly need prayer to help us pursue forgiveness, reconciliation, to try to piece that relationship back together. Or we might need help restoring something else in our life that got broken by sin. Uh, Maybe it's our health. Maybe our finances. Maybe, you know, our job. Something, something that sin has messed up and we need help getting it put back together. And we always, at times like that, we need friends who will understand, who will care, who will pray for us, who will pray with us, who will encourage us who will remind us of God's promises and who will help us be accountable to fight whatever sin took us down. To fight. Now, it's, it's obvious, isn't it, that friendships like this are not just going to spontaneously happen overnight. These are relationships that have to be developed because we're talking about significant transparency and that requires significant trust to have the help we need dealing with our sin. We're gonna have to take the time. We're gonna have to invest the time to develop friendships. We're gonna have to take the risk of being honest with one another about our struggles and ask yourself, how are you gonna respond When somebody decides to trust you with their sin, with their struggle with sin, how will you respond? Well, if you're led by the Spirit, you'll respond. Paul says with gentleness, gentleness, with humility. I get that from. He says, you know, looking, you know, keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted, because see, you're not above falling. Also, you're not immune. There's no room for an attitude of superiority here. You know, looking at the person saying, What is wrong with you? I can't believe you did that. No, no harshness. Gentle, careful, truthful help to overcome the sin. See, that's the goal. Don't make the mistake of confusing restoring with tolerating. It's not the same thing. The goal of restoring is not to, you know, and and being gentle about it. The goal there is not to tolerate the sin or to minimize the sin. It's to defeat it. Defeat it. And we're not going to have this kind of friendship with everybody. That's just not even possible. But we must have it with someone or several someones men with men, women with women developing these kinds of friendships so that we can fight sin in our lives together when a when a community is spirit led when a community is spirit led people are pursuing these kinds of friendships and i can't say it too strongly you have to pursue these you have to go after it it's not like when we were you know in in elementary school or you know kids on the neighborhood where it just friendships just happen we get older, it doesn't work that way. You gotta pursue it. So you gotta get, you know, you gotta go after it. And here's the thing: if you wait until you need these kind of friendships, it's too late. So you gotta you gotta work at it. And it is work. It is work. And what Tyler said about small groups, you know, if if you're not in a small group, uh, seriously consider it. Write small group on your um, connect card. Anyway, these relationships have to be pursued. So help to overcome sin. Second kind of help, help to bear burdens. Help to bear burdens. Verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now I want you to notice something really huge here. Notice the assumption behind this. This assumes that genuine believers in Jesus who are filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, however you want to say it, living the way God wants them to live in dependence upon Him, this assumes that Spirit-led Christians will sometimes have big problems. That they are sometimes going to experience burdens so heavy that they need help carrying those burdens you have to know this you have to know this otherwise when it happens to you you're probably going to wonder what in the world you did wrong why God is mad at you or how you somehow missed his leading it doesn't necessarily mean any of those things it might but it doesn't have to mean that Why not? Because until Jesus returns, as he promised, until he does what Philippians tells us, where he's going to transform our lowly bodies subject to disease and death and aches and pains, until he transforms our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, until he returns and rids this world of sin and suffering, until he returns and rights every wrong, Life includes very difficult things, and spirit led Christians are not exempt. We're not exempt. Christians, spirit led Christians, have loved ones who die. If you haven't experienced that yet, you will. Christians get serious diseases, Christians get mental illnesses, Christians lose their jobs. And struggle to find new ones. Christians experience relationships so badly broken, there seems to be no way to fix them. And when a situation comes into your life that just feels so heavy, you feel like you're just being crushed. All the life, the joy, you just it feels like it's just being squeezed out of you. At times like that, you need brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and help you shoulder, carry that burden. You need that help. Okay, well, if it's not you, if it's someone else in the community, how do you help them carry that burden? You know, I've had conversations over the years where people, you know, something very difficult will happen to someone, and other people are saying, yeah, I just, I feel so awkward. I don't, I don't know what to say. What do I say? I've learned over the years that the most important thing, the greatest need, especially at first, is not necessarily to say anything. The important thing is to be there, to show up, to let them know that you're going to walk with them through this. There comes a time for speaking truth, but when a crisis first happens, especially, usually the best thing to say at first is very little. Might just be, "I'm so sorry." There are no words." Pray. Weep with those who weep. Help with practical things, you know, meals, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, child care. all those practical things that feel completely overwhelming when you're in a really tough situation. Be the body of Christ for someone who feels like he's not even there. He is there, and they will help him feel he's there through you. See, 1 John 4.12, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us the gift of your presence. Help to bear burdens, number three. Third kind of help, help to live responsibly. <laughs> so this point balances the previous one. Verse five says, for each will have to bear his own load. And when you first read this, kind you go, wait a minute, he just said bear one another's burdens, help carry other burdens. Now he's saying you gotta bear your own load. What's up with that? Okay, this load is talking about those responsibilities we all have that we're expected to carry as a responsible person and not expect others to carry for us. So you can picture it like this, okay? So let's look at this picture here of a okay, so you see that nice backpack, it fits. He can carry that. He needs to carry that. That's his those are his responsibilities that God's given him. Okay, then you get this. (laughs) I have no idea what's behind this picture, how this happened, and I have no idea why she looks as happy as she does. (laughs) But just visualize the difference. The responsibilities that you're responsible to carry versus the crushing burdens that you need help carrying. Okay? If the first guy, you know, as soon as he puts it on, starts whining about, you know, oh, I can't carry this, and, you know, tries to get somebody else to carry it for him, well, that's irresponsible. So let's just, a couple of, an example. You know, it's one thing to lack food and shelter for reasons beyond your control, but it's quite another thing. You know, and at times like that, that's when the spirit-led community needs to come together and help you carry the load. But it's quite another thing to lack food and shelter because you keep making irresponsible choices, like not going to work, or doing your job so poorly you get fired, or you're spending your money, you're wasting your money on things you don't need. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.10. <laughs> Look at this command. Uh, for even when we were with you, Paul says, we would give you this command if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Wow, that's harsh. No, actually, it's not. It's loving. Don't keep feeding someone to perpetuate irresponsibility when they could work and they just refuse. Notice it's unwilling to work, not unable to work. There's a big difference. Unable? Well, then you, we need to help. Shoulder of the burden. Unwilling, people need a spirit-led kick in the pants. <laughs> so in spirit-led community, your Christian friends will help you bear your burdens when you're overwhelmed, and they will lovingly confront you when you're being irresponsible. That's the kind of help we need. And then fourth, We need help to do good. Verse 10, So then as we have opportunities, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. (laughs) Well, who needs help to do good? You do. I do. We all do. Why? Because according to verse 9, it's possible to grow weary of doing good and feel like giving up. If you're a parent, have you ever had those toddlers that make you feel weary of doing good? Or some other way that you're doing good and it's just, this is getting, I'm tired. I feel like giving up. Well, no. Hebrews 10.24 tells us, let us consider how we may spur. You know what a spur is, right? spur one another on toward love and good deeds love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together some are the habit of doing we need community why let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching the day that christ returns come on it's going to be worth it come on keep going let's keep doing good come on don't quit yeah the world's nuts yeah these problems are horrible don't quit it will be worth it. Keep doing good. And also, according to verse 7, it's possible to be deceived. Well, okay, what do we mean? Well, it's, it's possible to be deceived about, you know, he says, sowing. All right? You, you can sow your seed in foolish, fleshly ways, or you can sow your seed in spirit-led ways. And in our culture it's very easy to be deceived into thinking that a life devoted to accumulating is better than a life devoted to giving generously. And we need to keep reminding each other that's not true. We need to be encouraged, we need to be challenged to keep doing good. And the fact is, it's just easier and better to do good things together as a team. So, last year, You donated enough items, toys, balls, uh, soap, washcloths, pencils, school supplies, to fill over 4,500 shoeboxes with gifts. And then you contributed over $34,000 to ship those shoeboxes to needy children all over the world so that they could hear the good news about Jesus and experience a tangible expression of his love. And statistically, that means over 10,000 people will be exposed to the good news, the gospel, because of the good that we did together. You could not have done that by yourself. I can't do it by myself. But together? Wow. So don't try to do it by yourself. That's nuts. Team up, encourage one another, pray together, and do good together. It's the kind of help we need. Let's pray. Let's ask God's Spirit to keep leading us to become this kind of community a community of Spirit led Jesus followers who help each other live lives that honor Him. I'm going to pray and i'm just going to tell you the culture you live in will press you to greater and greater individualism do it by yourself keep to yourself don't share your junk with other people okay oh you got 10,000 friends on facebook look you're you're connected that is an illusion that is an illusion research is showing that social media is actually decreasing community not increasing it okay turn your phones off or your electronic devices and actually have a conversation all right that's another sermon let's <laughs> let's pray Father in heaven, thank you that you, you save us and you change us in community. Lord, sometimes we just would much rather keep to ourselves, keep quiet. Those of us who are introverts, this is hard. But we ask you to help us. Help us build the friendships we need so that we can help each other deal with our sin and Uh, bear one another's burdens and live responsibly and do good. Lord, we pray you will help us with this. Help us be the kind of spirit-led community you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.